Just like every good adventure, ours starts right here at the Dimension Door Tavern. Hello listeners, welcome to this week's adventure at the Dimension Door Tavern. This is my co-host Jonathan, I'm Allison. Hey! <laughs> and today on our podcast, we have Ben. Hello. Everyone, welcome, Ben. Hello, hello. Glad hey. to have you. Glad to have you, too. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, for sure. I, I just noticed I need to keep things that are clicky out of my grasp, <laughs> out of my reach. Because right as I said hello, you I, took, I took my head. Yes, I'm a huge I took my, head, my headphone case and did that, which... Are we syncing audio? Yeah, I don't know. But I did that right as we opened it up, and I said hello, and I said my name. So now it's going to have this weird click. So, <laughs> we can re, we can re-intro. No, we're fine. You. No, I'll just I'm I'm purposely explaining it here so that we have it to explain like people so why they heard a click when I said my name. Yeah. <laughs> so if if it real, <laughs> yes. If our listeners hear random clicks throughout the episode, it's me fidgeting with things um or if you hear a slap it's probably allison slapping my hand to keep me away from fidgeting with things yeah ow (laughs) um but yeah welcome seth (laughs) welcome to the chaos that is the dimension door tavern um (laughs) the listeners have no clue what just happened they don't i'm sorry for clarification that was all sound effects that's what she uh, Um I have he is my witness. You're on camera here. Yes, so, so therefore he knows. Then you will back me up as your DM. She was beating me, wasn't she? I looked a little rough, yeah. Yeah. Thank oh, you. No. Thank you. <laughs> I I have been I have a witness validated. Deny, 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 I deny, deny. all. Okay. Well, We'll it's a little blurry on my end, tonight. so it, you know, oh. I say yes or no. Backtracking, yes! Yes, right. backtracking. All right. Well, um... Joey, you'll note the defense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, just to give uh, Ben a little bit of an intro, he is yet another member of my campaign that I'm currently running. Uh, he is also our newest member. He just joined, what, about a month or two ago? Roughly, yeah. Yeah. And um, we were talking earlier that he, he kind of joined at, like, one of the roughest times in our entire campaign. But he is a trooper. Um, I once again found him on Facebook, like I do all my players, um, which... I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but no one's killed me yet, so I'll keep going. It's working so far. Yeah. Um, But one of the things that really drew me to Ben was his excitement for a story. He loves telling stories. He loves being a part of the story. And as soon as I kind of gave him the synopsis of what's going on in our campaign, he was all over it. And... um, we just had a really great conversation with all that. 
Um, but yeah, Ben, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and how long you've been doing D&D. Uh, I'm originally from the Midwest. Um, I started D&D um, probably my like third year of college or so. Uh, my brother and a lot of his friends played. And at the time, I just kind of thought it was a little bit nerdy, but I enjoyed watching. Uh, and then eventually when they started a new campaign, I was like, oh, I'm going to give it a go. And started playing and have been ever since. Um, so that's like 16 years now. <laughs> um, yeah, otherwise I kind of enjoy doing everything. Uh, a lot of sports, disc golf, softball, um, dabble in music. I play trumpet and sang in choir, <laughs> Uh, in high school and college. So kind of a little bit of everything. I had no idea that you did all like the musical stuff. I, I did a lot of music as well. Um, I don't play any instruments cause I'm not blessed in that way. I, I've tried saxophone and guitar, but I just couldn't ever get the hang of it. I just don't have the mental capability to have like hands doing two different things at the same time. Um, but no, I did a lot of choir and, uh, in high school and college as well. Musical nice. theater and all that stuff. Yeah. Maybe that's why we bonded so well. Definitely. <laughs> the, the intro sounded, you sounded very much like a kindred spirit. For sure. Yes. <laughs> kindred spirit. Um, but no, that's really cool. So I'm curious what. You mentioned that D&D &D was, you kind of saw it as a nerdy thing and you weren't really into it. What kind of changed your mind on that? Um, I guess I don't know that I wasn't into it. Um, it was more, uh, I don't know, at the time I was young and naive and I still had kind of that high school mentality where uh, I don't know, like in high school, I was kind of accepted by everybody. I wasn't really a part of one click per se. Mm -hmm. We didn't really have click clicks in my high school, but um, so I, I wasn't really like close friends with any particular group, but I was friends with all of them. <laughs> And D&D &D just kind of seemed like it would pull me, like, way into one group <laughs> and maybe away from another. Um, but, yeah, then I kind of grew out of that and started playing and nothing really changed, so. <laughs> nice. Um, what made you think that D&D &D would pull you away from another group? Um... So like all the guys that I played sports with, um, like I was on all the varsity teams and like they just were not into that kind of thing. And yeah, I don't know. Just, you know, stupid, stupid high school mentality. <laughs> yeah, the mentality of 
the jocks don't play the nerd games and the nerds aren't on right. the field. Right. <laughs> but then, uh, like, so, as you get to know people, you find out that, like, everybody has a nerdy side. Yes. Yeah. Just yes. what kind of nerd? <laughs> That's yeah. the truth. Again, the, the whole fringe <laughs> stereotype that we've seen with a lot of people and, and just finding your niche and feeling comfortable enough to own it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it's funny how that that stigmatism is there. And I think it's starting to break down. As, um, there's a cultural shift in the the cool kids are now the ones who are playing D&D. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's still the same in high school, but the ner- nerdy people have like gotten a little more higher standing um, culturally, I think. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's interesting that you you kind of wrestled with that fact of like, I want to play D&D, but it, my kind doesn't do that. You know what I mean? Well, and part of it was just being new to D&D. Like when I first started, I was, I don't know, almost thinking like, man, all these people that play like really know what they're doing. They like know all the rule books and like all the nuances of the monsters and whatnot. And I'm like, right over my head, you know, (laughs) I'm like, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. I hope I don't screw up. (laughs) Nice. I feel like D and D is definitely one of those games where there's so many just options that you can do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you start, you really just don't know, like you're, you're first. Yes. Because you're like, these witch dice for what and <laughs> sides and and all these things and and you're hearing all these terms and there's all these like different realms and just lots of things that you're like what is all of this and so when you first start to play because you're overwhelmed with all of those things you don't have the confidence i think at the very beginning to kind of explore like oh like what can i do because you're just trying to get down a concrete understanding of what's going on in this dimension universe whatever realm you're in and right. <laughs> so it's very interesting to try and uh just explore what all you can do because depending on who you are there's it's just it's limitless you're, yeah your options are <laughs> limitless and some of the things you're like wait whoa i can do that it's ridiculous cool you know like let's see what happens if i do that yeah, yeah. i i like that refer to D&D as being the the most simple and the most complex game all at the same time. <laughs> it is one of the easiest games to play because it's so simple to just like have a character and you you can play it so simple. You can just have a character in mind and you go through some prompts and you roll some dice and that's all there is to it. Or you can go so deep into things that just like everything is nuanced and everything is has a rule for this and that. And so it's so complex. And it's one of those games that I, I often warn people when they're new to D and D is like, when you first start it, it's going to seem like, or before that first session, it's going to feel like everything is confusion. (laughs) And then when you do that first session, if your DM is leading you right, it feels incredibly easy. Like, Oh my goodness, why was this so hard? But then the more and more you get into it, the more and more you learn like all these different things of like, Oh my goodness. And there's like this time 
in your D and D career that you start to feel it getting more complex again. Um, yep. I'm curious, did you kind of go through that cycle as well, Ben? Uh, kind of. Um, most of the campaigns I've played were all homebrew. Um, so it was, I don't know, very much just kind of dive into the story. Like you didn't really have any background with like the structured campaigns that D and D puts out. Um, and I don't know, for me, it was cool. Like learning what all the different classes could do. Like if you think of like a cleric, you're like, Oh, strictly healer. But there's so many other things that they can do, which like the other characters in our campaigns brought out. Or like mm-hmm. I started with a ranger. It's my very first character. And so I got a little bit of magic in there, but, you know, never got to see really what a wizard or sorcerer could do until we started playing. And then that just made me want to dive into like, oh man, what can I make of these characters? So I I really enjoy building characters. (laughs) That is awesome. My first character was an elven ranger as well. (laughs) Um, Well, I don't know. Was yours elven or something else? Um, pretty sure it was human. Okay. Tell, tell but, us about your first character and that first game. What was that experience for you? Um, it was, so it was really interesting because I rolled three natural twenties in a row oh, and dang. auto, auto killed something I should not have been able to auto kill. <laughs> wow. You were that DM's uh, worst nightmare, but the player's hero. Yep. So I had... I was dual wielding Kukri's and he had this construct that was supposed to come and capture us and bring us back to the city. And we were like, no, we're not going <laughs> and like jumping on its head, hit just the perfect spot. And yeah, ended all that. <laughs> I'm, curious, I'm curious, the, the sportsman in you, cause you just came from like, sports and all this stuff and then you have this person. what was that like like going from scoring i don't know did you ever score a touchdown or something like that uh or, no i never played football but um oh, yeah from it was game to like this moment was there any comparable to it it was yeah it was i don't know like any uh trial or challenge that is presented to you can be you know like trying to win the game or scoring the goal um, where those successes, sometimes it's on an individual basis and sometimes it's with your team. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And so like in that moment, if you could go back and like remember those emotions were the sportsman inside of you where you kind of like, Oh my goodness, this game is more thrilling than I ever thought it would be. Or how do you feel? <laughs> that, that kind of really got me into it when you got to the point where it's like, I don't know when you use the rule of cool, where you can actually do something like that <laughs> and where it's not necessarily realistic. Like, I'm not going to be able to take down this thing with a little knife normally, (laughs) but if I, (laughs) you know, hit it in exactly the right spot, 
<laughs> right. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I am definitely a fan of the rule of cool. Um, as I, I think you've noticed in our campaign so far. Yes. <laughs> Partly of that is because I love the creativity it allows, Part, but most of it is just because I don't know the rules very well. And so... <laughs> Sure, why not? That'll work. Why? Let's just see what happens. Roll right. for it. Yeah. Yep. No, I think that's good. Like the rules are more of a guideline anyway. Like yeah. you're you're the DM. You get to run it how you want. Yeah, I'm a little bit of a rebel, so rules are meant to be broken. <laughs> there we go. So we are in a not a, a purist style. No. episode this time <laughs> no we're not it's very interesting hearing um just people different players perspectives and what you know generation of dungeons and dragons and things that they have started out in and their growth over time through these generations and and what they believe um the dyna- dynamics of the game and how the rules should apply and and you know how they accept tradition or change has been a very interesting conversation with some of our guests, so. I believe it. I'm curious, so you've been playing for 16 years. Um, So you started on 3.5, right? Yes. Okay. Do you prefer 3.5 to 5e? At first I did. Uh, When 5e first came out, like I never did 4. No, it just skipped over four. (laughs) Um, But we kind of would mix 3.5 and Pathfinder. Mm. Um, So you could use them both together with how we played. Um, And I liked how much variety there was in the classes, in character races. And now 5e has a lot more of that. Mm. And... Um, I don't know, with the backgrounds playing in there. At first, I didn't really like how 5e kind of made everyone have the same proficiencies mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I figured, I thought it made the characters too similar and the classes mm-hmm. too similar. Whereas, like, you know, when you have a full-fledged martial uh character they get you know the full bab uh, base attack bonuses and whereas a wizard is not going to be as good as at that right stuff like that but uh 5e has definitely grown on me and i see how it can be a easier system and now that they've introduced more stuff it has you know, flesh stuff out more, especially with the subclasses. Yeah, the subclasses are pretty awesome. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, because um, honestly, I pretty much only have ever played 5e. I played a little bit of 3.5. I played like two sessions with 3.5 when I first started. Um, never played 4, but pretty much my entire D&D career has been... 5e and i'm curious to know seeing that transition from 3.5 to 5e and now we're looking at this one D 
what are your thoughts on what you're seeing with that? Just this transition happening again. I'm, I, I guess I'm interested to see where the new one is going. Um, I think it is going to make it, it sounds like it's going to make it so that your background plays way more into how your, I don't know, the stats of your character, basically. Oh, I like that, though. Um, because that way, like, you could be any class or race, and kind of like how Tasha's Cauldron of Everything allows you to, um, you know, change your racial stats around and stuff. Uh, it sounds like the background is going to play a big effect into your stats and stuff. That's awesome. That's a take I haven't heard about it yet. I need to do some more research into that. But I really like that because, of course, I'm I'm all about the story. It's all about the background and story for me. And so the fact that they're taking that into consideration is really cool because I've always found it kind of annoying that, like, you have this this uh, character who's a level five fighter class, but and then you add the backstory of like a spy or um, or mm-hmm. soldier, and it doesn't change anything. It doesn't doesn't add anything. Like if he was a spy, then okay, even though he's a fighter, you should have a little bit better stealth than usual. Right. You know, and you can adjust that in your stats and stuff. But I really like that they're taking that into effect and can really, even if it kind of levels out the races a little bit or the classes a little bit more, um, it makes the backstory all that more important and really plays into the, the character side of it. Yep. And I think it, it's more so like like how you can select a background with 5e. I think mm-hmm. the background, more, more than your backstory, um, will play more gotcha. into it. That that's more what I meant. Sorry. <laughs> oh, but even that though, like the backs, the background that you pick, usually yeah. goes along with your backstory. Right. Yes. Kind of customizes that story a little bit more. Um, yeah. No, that's really cool. I know. I was. I was. I've been kind of torn on it a little bit because I really like the virtual tabletop stuff that they're coming out for it, mm-hmm. and yet. With that, even though it makes everything so much more convenient, in fact, in our last session, we we used the above VTT, um, and it, it's such a useful tool. But at the same time, I'm thinking, are we losing that theater of mind effect? Right. Because everything <laughs> becomes so visual. And in that, are we losing the creativity that comes through the, cre- through the theater of mind? Or do you feel like, it'll add for more creativity because you have a better visual of what's around you. Um, I do like uh, using like the virtual tabletops just for the fact that characters can see what's going on. Um, as long as they're paying attention, obviously, but yeah. <laughs> um, like rather than, players having to ask, well, how far is this monster away? How far, like, are they within my range? Um, Do I have line of sight? Um, You can, you know, use the arrow on the virtual tabletop and see that yourself. Yeah. Um, So I guess in places like that, 
I do like the virtual tabletop. Having started with just like a grid map <laughs> where our DM might draw stuff and you know, we would use quarters for like or dice, this one's me, this one's you and whatnot. And you would go and having that it it does kind of take away from the imagination a little bit. But it can I think bring you into the story as to this is what the DM is visualizing. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think I think it kind of goes along with the cultural shift that's happening with D D. As it's as it's becoming more popular, more mainstream, you have so many more people coming into it as society and everything kind of embraces D D more. And um I think these changes that they're doing for the one D and D and the virtual tabletops and stuff like that are going to make it more, more like a video game and something that people would understand a little bit more than theater of the mind. So maybe we're losing a little bit of something with that, but I think overall, I think for the newer players having stuff like D and D beyond that does all the computations for you, rather than having to write it all out on paper, uh, makes it easier for a newer player. <laughs> Absolutely, it does. And for your DM. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Whereas, like, you know, doing it on paper, someone might say, oh, my character can do this, but then they, like, end up stacking things that shouldn't stack. and. <laughs> Getting yeah. way too overpowered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I know for me, just my sanity is so much better with using D&D Beyond because I am just able to focus more on the story rather than having to trace all the numbers. and the Like, it just, it releases a lot of the, the groundwork, I guess I would say, in that. Um, I know with Allison... She started, you played like what, two years ago in my campaign? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And actually, she was the beta test or the alpha test, technically, because that was the first time that I ran that campaign that you guys are now running. Um, but yeah, it's, it's totally different than what it was back then. But we were also quite the motley crew. Quite the motley crew. It was. <laughs> It was you and, like, what, three teenagers and a middle schooler? (laughs) (laughs) We had a a moonlighting, another moonlighting adult. um, Oh, yes. Just just very interesting dynamics of what, kind of like you said, the perspective of, like, what's important. (laughs) And also... um, just the things that you would choose to how do I explain this like focus on in your character or in like get fixated on or or some of the things you sometimes there's those things that you do like just because I can but there's also just very interesting um I don't know All, all you can say is like junior higher stuff (laughs) that's all the explanation you need yes 
Um, it was very unpredictable. It's probably how we came across with the idea for this whole tavern thing being chaotic. It's like, we're used to chaos. <laughs> it very much rings true, for sure. Yep. It, I'm curious. Oh, sorry. Please go ahead. I was going to say, it, it can be interesting, too, if like those dynamics play into like how your characters are played too like if one is focusing more on i don't know their character development or their character yeah. just getting rich and leveling up or <laughs> <laughs> it definitely did it, it definitely did. It was very evident in in that group um and it just took the story all kinds of places it really yeah. impacted how the journey just for all the players went. It was character development, but it was chaotic. <laughs> but you know what? Honestly, in a fun sense. It was a yeah. I don't want to like make it sound like it was a bad. It was. A, it wasn't a bad campaign. It was a really fun group. It was just really cool. <laughs> just because I that's where I kind of learned as a DM to just don't plan too much and just let it go <laughs> because yep. you're dealing with a middle schooler and three high schoolers, like. <laughs> Pink fuzz or slime There's, could be deadly. You yeah, know? it just pepto-bismol kills. We had no idea. Um, but, <laughs> the most random thing. Yeah, but it's deadly. <laughs> Actually, we'll be talking, inadvertently so talking with one of those players here soon. As Fun. Well. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm curious to know, like, with that, what are some like chaotic moments that you can think of from your D uh, days? perfect one like yes we i think we're around somewhere between 10th and 11 10th and 11th level and we were playing in a i don't know there were like demons and zombies more of a undead demonic type campaign mm-hmm. and there was this section of the map that was controlled by undead and they had these towers of darkness that overlapped one another and our sorcerer had this staff that could i forget what the spell was called but basically make an earthquake oh nice and so just he repeatedly would bang this on the ground while we were in this darkness and he would bring down the towers (laughs) I'm taking notes. (laughs) And eventually, like, he got rid of enough towers to clear a patch of light through this magical darkness. Oh. And we found our way into, like, their underground city. Uh, Eventually, this played out because we we fell into their prison cube underground <laughs> and teleported ourselves out of there. But oh because God. we had wreaked so much havoc, the DM sent a Trask on our city. And one of our guys was like, all right, I'm jumping off this building. I am landing on the Trask's head. I'm going to loop my medallion that teleports us to places that we've been around one of its horns project this image in its head 
of the cell we were just in. <laughs> and he had to make so many high rolls to actually get this to work. But he did. Teleported this Trask to this underground cell and just totally demolished the undead city. <laughs> like wow. everywhere. <laughs> did he use a dimension door? for that uh no it was like anywhere where we had previously teleported from um we could like as long as we had that image in our head we could teleport back there wow um as long as we were in like we had to be at our city's like safe place for teleportation but yeah just a special item he gave us for the campaign (laughs) <laughs> that is so awesome that's I, the best use I've heard I, <laughs> that's awesome as a DM there's like a love hate relationship with those kind of things <laughs> because it's so I love it when my players can think of this super creative way to overcome an obstacle that I had <laughs> no not idea. foreseen and just can just do it and I'm so proud of them and it's such an awesome <laughs> moment and I'm so it's so cool overall I like it but at the same side I'm just like Oh, I like, took hours planning this encounter, <laughs> and then it just right out the window. And literally, after after we had destroyed that city, we like destroyed that world. And oh like the DM was like, "All right, like all we have left is really where the gods live." <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. Note to self, yes, do not bring a grass into this campaign. Then <laughs> we'll use it. <laughs> oh, oh, that, one, that one is one I will never forget. <laughs> that is so cool. Um, now, have you always been a player? Have you DM'd as well? Uh, I've DM'd a little bit. Um, the very first time I tried DMing, I used a world that I had previously played in um, that someone else DM'd. Uh, And then the other two times were like with the uh, 5e beginner uh, kit. Mm. Um, So the Minds of Fandelver. Yeah. Yeah. We did start playing... um, was it Rise of the Rune Lords? Um, but then, but then our uh, like some people went off to college and people got busy, so it kind of fell apart. <laughs> nice. It happens. It happens. Yeah, that's that's always a sad thing is to have. A, how long did the group meet before they everyone? Uh, so we actually got all the way through the Minds of Fandelver. This was oh, with. Wow brand new people um it only takes you like from level one to level five right uh but we were playing that for about a year and a half um just whenever we could meet um that was a lot of fun um it was a family from church um you know so husband wife and their two kids um so it was, it was kind of interesting trying to keep the youngest one involved. <laughs> and 
and you kind of you kind of had to let him be a little bit more epic than he should have been. But <laughs> the kids want to be the superheroes for yep. sure. I mean, everyone does, but kids like that's what they have to be. Yep. And of course, they used like the pre-populated characters for our next one. When we started doing Rise of the Rune Lords, uh, we went through and made characters, and that was cool too. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great way for honestly, like, there's been such a stigma against D and D for so long, um, but honestly, I've. I've learned in the time that I've played it because even growing up, like throughout high school and stuff, I never really, I knew about D and D, but I never really played it. Cause, um, it was never something that I thought was an okay game to play. Cause I always heard like bad things about it. Like it was satanic and all this great stuff. But the more I've learned about it, it's, it's such a good game for families to bond around. Yeah. And, my kids are a little young to understand it or play it right now, but I can't wait to when they're older and I can start introducing them to this. And cause it's such a fun way for a family or, or just friends to just gather around a table and go on these adventures, you know, um, it's, it's really cool. So I'm really glad that, you know, the, your church there has embraced it and has, <laughs> um, that you have people there to play and that's cool. Yeah. What have you, um, you mentioned like the group, the group dynamic, and then also just like character development. And I'm, I'm curious in your experience coming from a background of not really having a specific crowd that you gravitated towards, you just kind of dabbled in all of the groups. Um, <laughs> what would you say has been your experience play, through playing D&D with learning the group dynamic in, the, in a game and the difference between like that and your character development versus real actual life sports playing in teams and, and the dynamic of developing your personal self and developing with a team. So I guess when I first started D&D, I always made characters that were well-rounded and self-sufficient. Mm. Um, whereas, like, now I'm kind of trying to make characters that are somewhat reliable, reliant on a team or, like, have more of a niche role. Um, the deficiencies make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I always, like, in... 3-5 and Pathfinder, I loved playing monks because they were just so well-rounded. They had such good survivability. 5e, they're much less flashy, so I've mm. kind of gone away from them. <laughs> um, but the choice to do that in the beginning is definitely one when you're searching for stability of like, all right, I need, you know, Tiber prepared for anything because you don't know what you're getting yourself into yep. not only in game sense when you're first starting but also just in the realm you know anything's possible yep and i think that it, it kind of played into my personality where like 
you know, I wanted to be good at sports. I wanted to be good at music. I wanted to be good at, you know, uh, I was involved in theater a little bit. Uh, you know, I wanted to be good at everything. <laughs> and you, it's so hard to do that with a character. And like, obviously, if you multi-class, you're never going to be like the best at anything. You'll just be like, okay, at most things. <laughs> Joker, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, like, now I've tried to do, I don't know, more of a min-max with the characters I make, because then they're, like, really good at something, but they have that deficiency that makes it more interesting. Yeah, I think I, I definitely went through that cycle as well as when I first started playing D and D, you want to you want to win the game. You know, you want to be the best. You want to beat the game. You must conquer. And all. Yes, I must have the conqueror. I must be <laughs> able to be the 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 best fighter above them all. And like, I I want to be the king. I want to be like the most renowned and all this stuff. Like that's your especially. I don't know. Like me as a guy, like I I want to conquer. I want to ah, you know. But yep. the more and more I play, I'm like, man. Those, those characters are cool. And you get these epic moments where you feel like, oh, you know, like you, you've reached that pinnacle. But at the same time, I get the same amount of joy from having a character that is just horrid at everything <laughs> and just messes everything up. I'm currently playing a halfling barbarian in a campaign where he <laughs> has like zero strength and he wants so badly to be a barbarian, but he's just horrible at it. And just having this character that's so flawed adds so much fun to the game because you just you get into these situations. It's just it's totally beyond you, and he has to rely on his team for everything to survive because he cannot survive in the world. Um, but yeah, I, it's funny how that switches over once you've played. Sometimes some some players don't ever switch off from that. But um, yep, I and I think. It. More recently, I've I've gotten more into the role playing part of it. When I first started playing, it was just like, okay, my character goes and does this, but I never really like acted it out or like mm -hmm. I never did voices before. <laughs> and um, are you saying like before the campaign you're currently in, or like uh, before like the last? two or three times that I've played D&D. Gotcha. Um, I'm curious, what was your, what has been so far like your favorite character to play that you've done? Hmm. Gosh, put me on the spot. <laughs> it's a hard thing uh, to ask and I'll, or answer. It's easy to ask, hard to answer. <laughs> I think so far, it might have to be the evil campaign that we did where we all made level 20 characters. And he was like, you can make them as epic as you want. Like, use all the tomes and manuals, use whatever magic items, like, beef them up as much as you can. And I played a Mind Flayer. <laughs> Oh, nice. Um, he did say you did have to like adjust, do the level adjustments and whatnot. But 
I think he had like a 50 intelligence and <laughs> wow, something like that. <laughs> um, Super characters. But just, yeah, going through that campaign as evil characters was just, it was just something new and different. That's awesome. Um, I don't know if you've listened to it or not, but um, the, the the founding podcast of the channel that we're on, the Find Familiars, is Everyday Dungeon Master. And they their episode that Heath just dropped on Friday, yesterday, um, was about running an evil campaign. <laughs> and just like what you were saying, it sounds so cool because it, it fit into exactly what he and his guests were talking about. <laughs> in their podcast there and it's just so cool to, to have that he was talking about something that i because i've never really played an evil campaign before to be honest and he was talking about some things i was like oh wow that's that's so true i never thought of it and you kind of mentioned it here that you said that your intelligence was 50 and it was the idea that you know just because you're playing an evil campaign doesn't mean you're just murder hobos mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you kill everything in sight but it's you play a smart evil person, you know, right. you're not, a, you're it's not the, a dumb evil strategy, person. You're the smart. Plotting, yeah, the long game. How are you going to outsmart the other villain exactly. to achieve your desired outcome? Right. It's, it's a, you're, you're evil, but maybe people think you're good. Like you're fooling them and you're playing in this smart mm-hmm. way. And, um, and really you're three plot twists ahead of them. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> So it's really cool that you brought that up because I I was literally listening to that just today and so <laughs> oh I yeah that's cool yep but I think as far as like I think Bo the character in our campaign is the first one that I've like really really like really tried to stay in character with mm-hmm. um, like I don't know, like the messages that I've sent to you like I. I'm not quite sure how he would truly feel about leaving the forest. <laughs> right. Right. No, I have, I have honestly loved Bo. He has been such like, literally, I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but that after your first session with our group, like all the other members of the group were like, I love that character. Like, they all just like fell in love with Bo immediately. Probably because they got to name you. Like you didn't have a name. Right. You found a group and they named you and now you're like the group pet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But even the character, can the way you played it. it. Can we keep it? Yeah. He can make me into T Rex. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's, yep. you know, who knows what you're bringing home in that realm? <laughs> can yeah. you imagine? Who knows? Even uh, if you might get him into trouble sometimes. <laughs> Even if you might get him into trouble sometimes. With yeah. Not being able to lie. <laughs> yes. Well, they haven't seen that side of it just yet, and true. Soon, that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun dynamic um, in the next coming sessions of not being able to lie because you've been you've been pretty much there for just the battle stuff. But yep. once we get into like the high society of dealing with the corruption and stuff, <laughs> it's going to be hilarious. Um, <laughs> I, I got to hear it for our listeners to understand just why we love it. Can you give us the bow voice? Um, what do you want me to say? <clears throat> oh, I got it. I got it. 
Let's oh, go. Context. Well, so, two. I took this. Uh, based this off of the uh, Adventure Zone podcast, um, oh. where he played a furbolg. Um, so it's it's very much based off of that. Um, but I will not do this. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I did not do this. He's, he's got like a little bit of a Eastern European, something. yeah, like yeah. Romanian, kind of Russian, a little bit of an accent, but yeah, a little bit Russian. Talk a little bit slower, just being a furball and like not sure what words to say, but. <laughs> It works because when you don't have, when you don't know what to say, like um, well, I'm, I'm just playing my character. That's <laughs> yeah. my character doesn't know what. Of course, I know what I'm going to say, but just being that he doesn't, he doesn't interact with people much, mm-hmm. and they're like in the furball community, it's more just gestures, um, and stuff. So, forming words with society isn't something he does on a regular basis. Gotcha. That's a really interesting dynamic that, you know, he's someone who's just completely out of society and, you know, doesn't know really how to talk in social situations or what to do. He misses a lot of the social cues. Is that kind of fun to play because you're not really that way in real life? Um, I mean, obviously, you said, like, in school, like, you're kind of the popular guy. You weren't really part of, like, any particular clique, but you were in all the cliques. And is it different to play that, or is it kind of fun? Uh, it's, different? It, it's different, but also fun, because you can just be, like, aloof to everything. <laughs> yes. And, I don't know, like, the time when we were talking to the orc gym... And they're like trying to explain about Umada's house. And I was like, well, we just cleaned it. <laughs> you know, what do you mean? It's, <laughs> it's dirty and everything. <laughs> yes. Like not queuing in on, oh, we're not supposed to talk about that. <laughs> right. Oh, man, that's good. Uh, oh, my goodness, it is. That feels like it reflects so much like just childlike innocence of like just bluntly saying whatever you know just matter of factly is or whatever you observe and just like this podcast childlike (laughs) innocence you know and it just what sometimes the things that you observe or perceive aren't necessarily the the kindest or you know best things to just state for everyone <laughs> it's yeah. for them to just oh i observed that but we, we're not going to address it yes. and it's so interesting um hearing like, your analogy and like really getting into the character's world and understanding like how their society works and then applying it and and seeing how that interacts with the other characters and just bringing that to the table in the sense of just like oh that you people wouldn't, you know, your your kind wouldn't discuss your this. Kind wouldn't discuss what does no, that because, mean? Because they're different. Who are you calling you people? Wow. <laughs> wow. 
okay. Yeah. No, it's interesting because like he would he wouldn't have like that subtle like I don't know avoiding the truth to not hurt someone's feelings like if if a heavier lady asks does this dress make me look fat he would say yes (laughs) you know (laughs) it would not change the inflection like no that dress doesn't make you look fat or yeah yeah he would just be like yes (laughs) just no no tone whatsoever (laughs) just yes yeah you ask a question i answer it I remember one of my first jobs, I was working at Toys R Us and I was in the checkout line and I had this, this little kid that I was checking, doing the toys and putting them in the bag and all that. What a, what a cashier does, but he was, he was quiet for a little bit and then he just started talking and he, and he started talking about the argument that he, that his dad and mom had had in the car before they came into the store. (laughs) <laughs> and he was just telling everything about this argument and just like parroting. Oh my goodness. It was just really, it was so funny, but awkward at the same time. Cause I'm just like trying to just do my job. And this kid was uh-huh. talking about like, yeah. what, he's like repeating what they're saying and like talking about how they are yelling at each other. And I look up at the parents and they are just like sheet white, just completely. <laughs> this kid was like five years old, you know, he, he, and he's just telling about his day. He's talking about what yeah. happened. And yeah. for him, there's no shame. There's no shame. There's yeah. no sense of consequence of what you say, you know. And so it was it was hilarious. I felt so bad for those parents, though, because I get it. Like, that's, oh, my goodness. And even like, with my own kids. that was a family moment. Yes. <laughs> even with my own kids, because of that experience, I'm, like, super cautious about, like, how we interact in front of them because you never know <laughs> what they're gonna say to people and like they Those will tell on you they will take in everything <laughs> yeah and, and things that the way they even say things or choose to say things can it can be the most innocent thing but the way they in their mind innocently tell it can be so misconstrued <laughs> that suddenly you've feel like there's an emergency going on in your family and I have to step in for your safety. Yes. <laughs> if you find out what the real scenario was, like it may not have been that. And it's just, it's, it's all in the storytelling. It's yes, all it's in the all storytelling. In, it's all about how you tell your story. And that's what brings us back to D and D. Oh man. And I thought oh, like the- when, when you first, uh, messaged me about joining and talking about how you want the characters to have flaws and stuff. Like I, it immediately brought me thinking about this character where it's like, you know, they're gullible. They're going to trust people on a first, you know, mm-hmm. introduction and think the best of people. They're going to, you know, they're not going to be, uh, you know, uh, have that tact. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm curious. What brought on that, like, that thought of wanting to do that? Is it because it's so different from what you are, or, or are you kind of embodying that a little bit? Um, 
honestly, a lot of it was just because I had just watched that podcast. And I thought just the way that he played that Furbolg was hilarious. And I was like, I, I think that would be fun to play. That's awesome. That's awesome. Oh, that's good. Well, Ben, uh, it is just about time for us to wrap up here. Um, we are so grateful for you coming to join us. It has been so much fun talking with you. Yes, thank I you. I almost don't want to hang up, but um, <laughs> have to at some point. For the listener's sake. For the listener. But we'll definitely have you on again sometime and see where that conversation goes. All um, right. Before, before you head out and leave the tavern here, I am curious to know what would be your what would be a tip that you would give to anyone who's interested in playing a character but they're not sure how to play that personality hmm um i think if you're not sure how to play it then partly do something that's out of your comfort zone. Because if you're not sure how to play it, you're probably not comfortable with it. Um, mm. And I don't know, try, it, try and put yourself in your character's shoes, not thinking what's best to keep my character alive or best for the, for the party, but what really would my character think based on their backstory and how they grew up, um, the experience that, is, that they've had in the campaign already? Um, it, it could change them in a different direction. Um, just, yeah. yeah, really try and put yourself in their shoes and think from the character's point of view, not a player's point of view. That's good. That yeah, that's I feel like so many times we do that. We play our character from a player's and like the incentive of staying alive instead mm-hmm. of in the same way we would approach people of like having compassion for someone through who's come through such an experience. Play that character through that kind of those kind of glasses, that viewpoint. Yeah. That's that's an amazing tip. That's awesome. All right. Well, we will see you again. I'll see you on Thursday. Maybe Allison will come. I don't know. We'll see. One of these Thursdays. <laughs> One of these Thursdays. Yep. Um, Do it. <laughs> but yeah, we we have enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for visiting the Dimension Door Tavern. I hope you enjoyed your your uh, time at the bar here. But uh, I hope to be back. <laughs> yes, anytime. Welcome back. Yep. All right. Well, we'll uh, see you. See you another time. Um, yeah. Bye. Bye bye. Bye then. Thank you. We had such a great time with you all today. If you enjoyed our show, please follow us and hit the notification bell. Share this podcast with your friends, family, D&D group, or other adventurers. Also, we'd greatly appreciate a five-star review and would love to hear from you. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest at the tavern, send us an email. You can find our links in the description below. Well, 
It's closing time here at the Dimension Door, but we are so excited for another adventure together next Thursday right here at the Dimension Door Tavern.